Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. So this morning we're going to um, share about Mary's song and we're continuing in our uh, Christmas series and our playlist. And so Mary's song is up this morning. And when my friend sent me that image uh, about two weeks ago, it started me on a journey of just looking at different art and just letting the pictures uh, speak to me about what was going on with Mary's journey. So I hope that the images that I'm using this morning on the backdrop will just prompt you to maybe go and search some images yourself. Certainly my PowerPoint doesn't do them all justice. So I would just suggest that in your quiet time this week that you continue on with this activity and see if there is a, an image or a photograph or perhaps even of a Christmas past in your own family memories that you would want to meditate on this week. And, and just like God bring joy into your um, Christmas celebration through art. So a lot of people travel at Christmas, or at least used to, and um, during this time of year, many of us have bought plane tickets, and we pack up the car, and we put the kids in, we get the dog ready, we put the presents in, and we make a journey to the place that we call home. And we want family to gather, and we want to be together. That's sort of been a traditional Christmas. And part of the Christmas story that we love so much is that Mary and Joseph were on a journey. They made a journey um, from their home in Nazareth to their ancestral place in Bethlehem to register for a Roman census. That's what brought them to the little town of Bethlehem, where the scriptures have prophesied the Messiah was to be born. That was their Christmas journey. The young couple packed up. The story doesn't tell us if it was with the donkey or not, but those are the places where we can add some imagination. Um, they had to get there somehow. Mary was pregnant. Joseph had to do a lot, probably, to make it possible. But they traveled to Bethlehem. And arriving there, they found there was no room for them to stay. So they ended up having to sleep in a stable. It was there that baby Jesus was born. But Mary had made other journeys in her Christmas journey, and we want to look at the other journeys that Mary also took. One of those was the journey she took to visit with Elizabeth. So you can imagine, after creating quite a scandal in her hometown for becoming pregnant outside of marriage, Mary had to get away for a few days, and she knew where to go. She went to visit Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth lived in a village in the hill country just outside of Jerusalem, and Elizabeth herself had spent many years trying to have a baby, and so they were going to be together, and now she was also pregnant. So we're going to come back to that in just a minute. And then there is one other journey that we want to talk about this morning, and that's the internal journey that Mary had to go through. It was the journey of her heart. It was the journey to a place of trust. 
And it's about the emotional distance that she had to get together from where this, finding out this horrible, probably, thing that was going to happen to her at first, which seemed just tragic, then came to a place where she could embrace it and she would be forever changed. So really, Mary's journey is a lot like our journey in many ways, because a lot of us, I believe, have found that the life we plan to live is not exactly the life we're living right now. Many of us made plans in our youth and imagined how life would be, and when we look back, maybe those plans never came to pass, or maybe unforeseen circumstances kept us from achieving those plans. Now, even if you're young, I am sure that you have experienced making plans and then never actually getting to see those plans fulfilled. So when Mary first encountered the angel, the scripture says she was greatly troubled. So let's call this the starting place of that internal journey, and let's call it anxiety. Anxiety part one. Now that's a lovely place to start the Christmas story, don't you think? Especially in this season, you want to get away from anxiety. So stay with me and we're going to bring it to a place where we can, we can move from anxiety. But I really think that in that culture, a woman that found herself pregnant and unmarried ran the risk of death by stoning from her father and other men in the village. I believe Mary just wanted a nice, normal life. All right? She was already engaged, and in this painting called Betrothed, we see Mary and Joseph receiving a blessing for their marriage that was about to happen. So probably like any young girl, she was planning her wedding. She was thinking about the meal and the festivities and the joy it would bring to the people she loved. But this news was not only disappointing to her, it would deeply hurt the people that she loved so much. She probably figured her fiancé would have no reason to believe her and would divorce her. Her parents would be emotionally crushed and scandalized. She might not even live to tell her story. So I think anxiety is actually a fair choice. And Mary is not that different from us. She was definitely in unknown territory. And I know that when we get to a place where we are charting new waters or something happens to us that you know, doesn't quite fit the plan that we have, uh, we could say we are greatly troubled. And your story may not involve an angelic visit or an unplanned pregnancy, but you've experienced something that you did not expect, want, or plan. And perhaps your first reactions were shock, anger, fear, a sense of loss. Maybe you even took flight to avoid the situation. Well, in fact, there are very few people who experience a life that purely resembles the life that they planned or imagined. I look around this room and I know your stories. And I know that you did not plan to include financial hardship or kids with special needs, grief and loss, debilitating illness, divorce, maybe moving away from your family and friends, maybe factions in your family that seem like right now really, really hard to patch up, COVID. Who could have imagined that COVID would be interrupting a second Christmas? And the list goes on. You have your own personal stories. I had no idea that I would end up as a pastor. 
It was kind of the last thing I imagined, especially as a career. Uh, I've always wanted to serve in the church, and even in my teenage years, I remember being very actively involved. But I knew that had limits, and I wasn't really satisfied with the status quo in church, but growing up in a Baptist church, you pretty much knew. You could play the piano, you could sing in the choir, and you could teach Sunday school. That pretty much was where you were going to find your fit. And then when I first began to sense that God might be calling me to leave teaching and go into the ministry, (laughs) I wasn't angry. I didn't feel anger, but doubt, uncertainty, unbelief, hesitation. I would often focus on how I didn't fit the mold, or I would focus on what I was giving up. I thought about income, pension, vacation, all these things. And why couldn't I just continue to serve on the side? That was, doing a, that was doing good. Well, I knew a lot about the way pastors were criticized and the hardships in the church as well. And my dad was a deacon for most of my life growing up. And he was a huge supporter of our pastors. He would build a relationship with them. And he'd often share with me some of the things that were going on. And he was very good at working through conflict, and he would be a problem solver many times in the church when something was happening. And who would have thought then, as a teenager or in my early 20s, that much of the wisdom that my dad shared with me has come to benefit me in so many ways now on this path? To be honest, I still have a hard time accepting that role of pastor. I appreciate so much Pastor Jonathan has helped with that. He has a very high appreciation for women in ministry, and it has really helped, and it's benefited me. But that title of pastor, I I still struggle with it, and so maybe there's still some baggage there that I have to deal with, and so maybe I can work on that this afternoon. Anyways, that leads me to the second part of Mary's journey. And that's accepting the call, all right? So the call's been placed on your life. Anxiety is the first place. But she didn't stay there. By the time we get to verse 38 in the story, we, she's had more dialogue with the angel. And she says, may it be to me as you have said. And so we see acceptance. She's going to accept what's happening to her. But acceptance doesn't have to be joyous. It doesn't have to be this like wild enthusiasm and like this party right away. It simply could be just saying, okay, God, have it your way. Now, I don't know about you, but if the one receiving the response was only getting that much emotion and saying, okay, God, have it your way. So I think about at a staff meeting and Pastor Jonathan has just put together this really great idea and he's laid it all out for us. And then Glenn and I, we just kind of go, yeah, okay, have it your way. Uh, It's a bit of a letdown. Or maybe you're planning this great date night and you know, you've planned this, this romantic dinner. You've got a movie, everything picked out. You've just got it really, really nice. And your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend, they say to you, yeah, fine. All of a sudden, you don't really want to do those plans anymore either. It's taken the wind out of your sails. God desires our obedience, that's for sure. But, and he's honored when we acknowledge his right to direct our lives. Absolutely. He wants to have that place, and he wants to have that position in our lives. 
But acceptance is not all that God wants. I believe God hopes for more, and he wants to give us more. For Mary, the angel showed her that her willingness to carry a baby that was not conceived with her husband Joseph was part of God's greater plan, actually the greatest plan ever. She would give birth to the Savior of the world. Mary was willing to go along with God's plan, but I don't sense from her response, may it be to me as you have said, that her heart was really in it at that time place. Scripture doesn't record all the conversations that followed her decision. So conversations with her fiance and with her parents. Again, we may have to add our imagination here. Those conversations weren't easy, but they were real. They had to have happened. You can imagine what might have been said. What if it was your daughter? What if it was your fiance? I think that we would have a the same reaction if a young girl just told you that she had an angelic visitation. And so I don't think that starting at that place of anxiety and then moving to acceptance, I think that's a pretty big deal. I imagine that more than once she would have gone back to anxiety and then back to acceptance, a little anxiety, no, no, I'm doing it, I'm in it, and then, but that's not where her journey ends. So Mary moved beyond acceptance, and she went to visit Elizabeth. And there, a supernatural connection between the two women, something somehow happened. And her acceptance that after painful discussions and after lots of contemplation, I'm sure, perhaps even wondering if she was out of her mind, she had this visit with Elizabeth, and something came into focus for her. Instead of condemnation, instead of name-calling, instead of heaping guilt onto Mary, Elizabeth said to her, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And those words must have washed over Mary's soul. She knew where to go. She knew who to talk to. And Elizabeth was the one that could help her on this journey. She knew that if, if she made that connection, that... Elizabeth would be the one to understand. So it brings me to this place where I want to ask you, are there people in your life that you connect with? People that can bring you from acceptance to adoration to joy? Are there people that can speak into your life and help you to move along on your journey so that you're not stuck at that place of just sort of unemotional obedience? We all need those kind of people in our lives, especially as believers, especially in a world where opinions and controversy is just ablazing. And we need to have a safe place where we can share our ideas, let people know how we're really feeling inside, and help them to, or ask them to pray for us, to encourage us, to be there for us as we journey along. Somehow, Maybe all of a sudden, maybe not, but during that visit, Mary got it and she began to sing. She was overwhelmed with joy. And this next painting is called the Magnificat, and that's often what is called Mary's song. So I just want to read it to you and just listen to the words. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. 
For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary had a new perspective, a new understanding. This long journey that began at a place called anxiety, then moved to acceptance, was now on the move again. She was now going to that place of adoration, singing from the deepest part of her soul, praises to God for the very thing that once started as an unbearable burden. That once unthinkable tragedy eventually became a burden that she was willing to bear. And now this role that God was calling her to had become a reason for joy and thanksgiving. And how much more is that than just agreement? Does that sound at all familiar to you? Have there been dreams or disappointments or things that have died or disappeared and God has brought a new reality into your life and maybe not even replaced it with something that you particularly wanted or appreciate? We all have parts of our journey that began at anxiety. But is that where you want to stay? Is that how you want to live your days here on earth? Is it worth asking how Mary progressed from anxiety to acceptance and then to joy? Well, there's probably a few things, but the one dominant thing is trust. Mary was willing to take the steps that she was called to take. And trust is a huge step. I don't say it lightly, especially if you've never trusted God fully before. You have to struggle emotionally, dealing with the feelings that God has taken something from you. And like I said, maybe he hasn't replaced it with something that you really wanted. You have to struggle intellectually so that you come to believe that a circumstance that everybody else might be calling a curse or may think you've lost your mind is actually a blessing. And you also have to struggle spiritually because we all desperately want to control our own lives. It's our human nature. And we have a difficult time saying to God, may it be to me as you have said, and smiling about it. But if you take whatever tiny amount of trust that you can find and give God a chance, a chance, you will have taken a huge step towards that joy that he has in store for you. In Isaiah 28, 16, it says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. And in John 14, Jesus himself says, Do not let your hearts be hardened. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Now, perhaps you've given your life to Christ and decided to be a follower of Christ, and you've made that decision to accept him. But you haven't really taken that journey to its next level, or maybe you have just sort of left it as that, I've made that decision, I'm moving on with God, we're good. 
But are you willing to take the next step of faith, believing that all of this that you've accepted and the journey that you've started on may be part of a bigger plan that God has for you? I want to share a story with you in closing. And you know that also storytelling or testimonies can be another way that really motivates us to move ahead in our spiritual walk. If there's a good storyteller, you can really connect with the message. So I just want to share this uh, story with you. Some of you may already know it. Uh, It's about Lee Strobel, and he's written many books and has helped many people in their faith journey. So this story is from a book that he's written called A Case for Christmas. He has many in the series, but I have two. So if somebody after the service would like this, come come up and see me because I have um, two copies. All right. So this is a story that was written about him. All right. Um, Lee Strobel was a German. Let's try that again. Lee, uh, Lee Strobel was a journalist for the Chicago Tribune and was assigned to report on the struggles of an impoverished inner city family during the weeks leading up to Christmas. As an atheist at the time, Strobel was mildly surprised by the family's attitude in spite of their circumstances. And these are his words. The Delgados, 60-year-old Perfecta and her granddaughters, Lydia and Jenny, had been burned out of their roach-infested tenement and were now living in a tiny two-bedroom apartment on the west side. As I walked in, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the wall, only a small kitchen table and one handful of rice. That's it. They were virtually devoid of possessions. But despite their poverty and the painful arthritis that kept Perfecta from working, she still talked confidently about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced he had not abandoned them. I never sensed despair or self-pity in her home. Instead, there was a gentle feeling of hope and peace. Strobel completed his article, but when Christmas Eve arrived, he found his thoughts drifting back to the Delgados and their belief in God's provision. In his words again, I continue to wrestle with the irony of the situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith and yet seemed happy. While I had everything I needed materially, but lacked faith, and inside I felt as empty and barren as their apartment. Strobel decided to pay a visit to the Delgados. When he arrived, he was amazed at what he saw. Readers of his article had responded to the family's need in overwhelming fashion. They had new furniture, appliances, rugs. There was stacks of Christmas presents, a large Christmas tree, bags of food, and a large selection of warm winter clothing. Readers had even donated generous amounts of cash. But it wasn't the gifts that shocked Strobel. It was the family's response to those gifts. In his words again, As surprised as I was by this outpouring, I was even more astonished by what my visit was interpreting. Perfecta and her granddaughters were getting ready to give away much of their profound new wealth. When I asked Perfecta why, she responded, Our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. Strobel said, that blew me away. If I had been in their position at that time in my life, I would have been hoarding everything. 
I asked Perfecta what she thought about the generosity of the people who had sent all those goodies and gifts, and again, her response amazed me. This is wonderful. This is very good, she said. We did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God. But, she added, it's not his greatest gift. No, we celebrate that tomorrow. That is Jesus. To her, this child in a manger was the undeserved gift that meant everything. More than material possessions, more than comfort, more than security. And at that moment, something inside of me wanted desperately to know this Jesus. Because in a sense, I saw him in Perfecta and her granddaughters. They had peace despite poverty. While I had anxiety despite plenty, they knew the joy of generosity. While I knew the loneliness of ambition, they looked heavenward for hope. While I only looked out for myself, they experienced the wonder of the spiritual. While I was shackled to the shallowness of the material, and something in me longed for what they had, or more accurately, for the one they knew. And that's uh, recorded his testimony in his, um, his books. So I told you earlier that I struggled to move beyond acceptance in my call as a pastor. But for me, it wasn't a one-time you know, kind of a journey. It has been a journey of up and down. And just as Mary's road, we can imagine, was not all smooth sailing, and she just accepted, and she found that place of worship, and so she continued on in that way. This season has been hard, and many of us have doubted or had our ups and downs as we walk out the journey that God has put before us. But what I know is the incredible joy and satisfaction that has also come along the journey. To see lives changed, I'm inspired by you and your stories. As a staff and as pastors, we have the opportunity to interact with people, to to watch how you grow and to see how your lives change, how you embrace the things that God is doing in your life, how you pursue joy and how you continue to worship. It's inspiring. It's beautiful and it's inspiring. And that's the testimony that you have when you go out to your neighbors and your friends and you are not perfect. Your lives are not perfect. But when we embrace the joy that Jesus wants to give us, especially at this time of year, that is something that is recognized. That is something that is noticeable. The last painting is called Joseph Rests on Mary. And they were on quite a journey. And so are we. And as fellow travelers, it's far better to be in a place of trust than to carry all the burdens yourself. You want to share that with your fellow journeymen, journeyers. You want to allow others to help carry those burdens with you. Trust. You trust God and we trust others. Mary knew the past. She knew from her song the things that had happened. She knew the stories of Abraham. She knew the stories that had happened to her people. And she chose to embrace what God was doing. And I believe that God has good purposes for each of us. And he has shown it. He has proven it. And his word over and over and over again tells the story.
He wants to show you your purpose, and he wants to walk with you along the journey. And when God interrupts our lives, it's more important to watch for what he is doing through us than what God is doing to us. And I believe that God is doing a great work through you and through your decision to follow him and to trust. Amen.